Kia ora, you're listening to Katu Maya, a podcast series for those who want to create a better future. Featuring real stories from some of South Auckland's most innovative community change makers. Listen in as they share the highs and lows, the passion and the persistence, the mighty wins and the epic fails. It's a real and raw cordial that will leave you inspired and equipped to take the next step in your purpose-driven journey. Katu Maya, be brave. Kia ora everyone and welcome to our very first episode of this new series that we've been able to pull together. Uh, we're talking all about what it's like to be an innovator or a change maker within your community. Um, we've got some amazing people coming up over the next few um, episodes and today I have the amazing privilege of having two staunch, strong community innovators here with me today. I feel a little bit Oops. intimidated because they're so awesome. We've got Tupatau from Mao Academy. Kia ora, kia ora. And we've got Kelly, the one and only Whenua Warrior. And I'm Mahi. Yeah, Welcome. Today in the first episode, we're going to talk, we're going to bring it right down to the essence of what it means to be a change maker and what's the most important. And that is he tangata, he tangata, he tangata. It is the people, it is our people, it is our whanau and our support systems that are the key well, the focus for being an innovator and the key to your success as well. So I'm looking forward to this corridor today. Um, to get us started, though, I'd love to um, hear a little bit more about who you are and um, what it, what the mana is of your organisation that you're bringing to the table today. So why don't you introduce yourself? We'll go for you first, Kels. Oh, so well. Um, tēnā koutou katoa, ko Kelly Marie Francis tōku ingwa. Um, my name's Kelly. I grew up in South Auckland, uh, Manurewa. Yeah, 267. Um, <laughs> and now currently live in Mangane. Yeah, 274. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, <laughs> olay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I built a charitable trust named Fenor Warrior and Fenor Warrior builds gardens to feed the community, teach the community to feed themselves and empower them to feed each other. Um, but I think the the key point that I want to look at now is what we're doing with our food and how is it that people of other communities can support us to continue doing that. Um, and creating a sustainable relationship is definitely important and that's actually one of my goals this year. Awesome. Kia ora everyone, I'm Kelly. Kia ora cows. Over to you, Ehoa. Well, my love of soy former Langi Mama, Ote Totala to Lava Molefat Lau Tenny, Ariel Lau 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 um, and I'm looking forward to our kōrero today and talking a little bit more about um, my experience as a South Auckland entrepreneur and a maker upara <laughs> and a change things upara. Um, but no, excited for our kōrero today. Yeah, um, yeah. What's the main mahi that um, Mal Studios does? Yeah, so I guess this is a evolving description. Um, <laughs> as of January as of 2022. January. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mal Studios is a regenerative design practice and we specialize in um, architectural services or architectural design um, but something which has always been our somewhat of our point of difference with inside the architecture industry is that we also deliver education programs mm. for South Auckland Langatahi uh, working closely with um, UNSEC uh, School of Architecture and um, and also providing pastoral care for uh, Maori and Pacific students inside the School of Architecture mm. uh, but then also I think this is new for 2022. <laughs> is, um, you know, we've also always been looking at uh, what more services can we um, provide to support Maori and Pacific entrepreneurs. So, mm. uh, Mao Studio has been contracted to 
or by Pacific Business Trust to support with their uh, their program called Hatch, which supports Pacific entrepreneurs in, in developing their own very unique business model. So, mm. yeah, so really my studios working within side architectural design, education and development. That's probably the shortest I've ever put it. So <laughs> Good work. That's awesome, Tao, and it's awesome to hear that. Um, I don't know, the evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. on you, bro. Lucky PBT got you guys with Hatch. Well, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Give us two more weeks. <laughs> yeah, PBT, awesome. got it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get straight into the topic. I guess my first question to you both would be, why are people so important to what we do? Hmm. Mm. I think people are people are most important because that's we're all here as one. We all have a need to um, survive within community. We need to survive within our cultures and our spaces. And people are important because we're the ones that fill that. We mm. we put the energy back into those spaces, um, and we're very accepting of. Uh, each other's needs in certain spaces as well. And I, I see it a lot with Whenua Warrior and people um, having a specific need and uh, us collaborating together to make sure that that need is fulfilled and sustained going forward. Mm. Um, Tal, it's probably a good question for you, my architectural friend. Thank you very much for the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think it's more contextual to... Um, to the work that we've been doing with Mo Studio and particularly our education programs, uh, but why people are important to our mahi and important to us as you know, as um, as community representatives, is you know, there's growing needs and um, growing challenges that face humanity every single day, uh, but also at the same time, there's also growing needs and challenges which face our environment, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. from an indigenous perspective and from Maori and Pacifica perspective. Uh, humanity or people and environment are very intertwined. So mm. um, focusing on people and being able to change the mindsets and attitudes of people, uh, I believe, is instrumental in, in creating a better future. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And really around that, creating that attitudinal change is, is essential to anything that we do at Mile Studios. So and mm. uh, somewhat in the, you know, the model of today's session, I really believe... People are change makers mm. naturally, and so how do we bring that out? Is is really how or where we want to position ourselves as as entrepreneurs, particularly from South Auckland? Yeah, mm. Ooh, that's awesome, man. I feel like I already know this is going to be a main corridor. Um, <laughs> I'll send an invoice for that. <laughs> <laughs> do that, do that. Send it to um, Eve Jolly. <laughs> oh yeah, I've got an email. I've got her email. <laughs> um, so. I guess what we're saying is that people should always be the centre of what you do, right? Mm. They should be the, the, the core, the focus, the, the thing that you put all of your energy into. Mm. Um, by doing that, what have you noticed or what? how does that impact how you do what you do and why you do what you do? Mm. Just like in just real practical ways, like how has that impacted your mahi? I don't think I'd have a mahi if I didn't have people first. Mm. Um, it, it, it wouldn't exist. There'd be no need being fulfilled. Um, and the reality is our, our day comprises of us not only uh, having the relationships with people in funding realms, but also community groups that we can collaborate with, um, small and big businesses to um, get our materials from, all for the purpose of feeding a home full of 
people. Mm. So it's like, you know, I, I wouldn't have a reason to get up if it wasn't people, yeah. you know. And um, I actually enjoy it. You know, there was a few years not long ago where I was concentrating a lot on my own self-care and my own building of self. Um, and then once you get through a certain level of that, you then move to your whānau and how it is that you can build the people in your whānau. Um, and in, in my case, I've... Uh, with the support of Foundation North, I've been able to hire three of my whānau members. And then you go further out into hapori or community um, and how it is that we pe- help people there. If we weren't connected, there'd be no reason for Whenua Warrior. Mm. Um, and before we got the support from Foundation North as well, it was all about the people while I had no money. Mm. So <laughs> that was So how much is Whenua Warrior's <laughs> success dependent on relationships? Uh, quite highly, mm. quite highly. Um you know, and e- everything that we touch, because of the way that our medias and our social medias and things work now, everyone wants to glorify a community story, um, which means people want to be yeah, involved yeah. from the start, you know, and without that relationship or with a reputation that wasn't reportable or proud to be reported on, then there'd be nothing, you know, and... Um, when we work on things, it, it comes to the people first. It's always about my staff making sure they go home happy. Because mm. if they're not, then, oh, no. <laughs> There'll yeah. be no one in tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So people, 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 yeah. Awesome. How about you, bro? Um, yeah, so I think for, for, for myself and for us at my studio, uh, some of the, you know, the really practical benefits for, you know, creating somewhat of a model around people is, um, you know, well, one of our programs called Mao Academy was really around identifying what were some of the some of the barriers and challenges fa- facing South Aucklanders, and for us as creatives and designers, and having to go through this education system, we found that, and still find today that arts and creativity is still an undervalued industry mm-hmm. from mm. not only society and you know governmental. And not only systemic, but also from our from our parents and our families. And uh, so, then and there, you know, back in 2017, we saw that that was something that we wanted to change and creating mm-hmm. some attitudinal change and systemic change around that. Um, but it didn't mean anything if it wasn't centered around the rangatahi and, yeah. and the mm-hmm. youth. So you might have heard the term systemic change. Uh, we often throw these kind of terms and jargon around. Uh, but what it means to me is that there's a whole bunch of different systems that sit around an individual. Uh, if we look at Rangatahi, for example, uh, you know, you've got so many different connections and networks that they are connected to, whether it's church, whether it's school, uh, university, it could be your whanau at home, your workplace, all these different places. You could even consider your local boards, uh, the government, everyone that impacts uh, the life of that rangatahi. Um, so when we want to bring about change in that individual's life, we need to consider the fact that everyone is part of that change. If you uh, aim to help one of these young people uh, change their life and then they go home to the same environment that is uh, conducive of the old life that they used to live, then it's going to be really difficult to bring about change that is sustainable and change that is not easily undone. Take that taking that a step further, we then need to think about the the indigenous uh, frameworks that are there around. There. Another term that gets thrown around a lot, uh, but how do we need to mould how we deliver that change and how we how we bring about that change by considering 
Maori, but by considering Pacifica, by considering the the culture and the ethnicity of of the people that we are wanting to to bring a change about. We we have systems in place at the moment that are largely designed by Western culture, uh, and we know that there are things that are really important from a Maori perspective. For example, fakfanongatanga, but getting to know someone as a person, um, where they're from, connecting with them, and and drawing a a, a relation. Uh, to that individual is really important when you're getting into just getting to know someone but when you want to bring about some change you need to take that into consideration being a proud De La Salle graduate myself (laughs) (laughs) James Cook (laughs) Um, there was no better place to start than than going back to De La Salle and starting something there so Mm. um, we started Mau Academy which is a creative impact academy and working alongside high schools and Mm. and tertiary institutions and Mm. Um, creating programs for high school students who wanted to pursue creativity, arts, and design. Mm. Um, and so since 2018, we've been running the program. Um, and I guess the, the biggest practical outcomes from that was, you know, little did we understand the real impact of undervaluing creativity with inside society and with mm. inside ministry, well, with inside the um, education system and what it was doing to youth and people thought processes and our creative processes and you know education this, these days just seem very streamlined and tick boxing exercise yeah, and so yeah. and not not just in students who you know a lot of students didn't think they were creative mm-hmm. and creative creativity was pigeonholed and compartmentalized and yeah. so little did we know a lot of these challenges that we're going into. So, you know, we wrapped the whole program around how does one unleash their creative potential. Mm. And we've done that through a number of different ways and, um, you know, integrating some of our indigenous philosophies and mm. processes. And um, and also a huge part of it was how do the rangatahi then become community leaders themselves yeah, or if yeah, they're not yeah. already community, community leaders. Yeah. Um, but taking them outside of the school and actually doing things with inside the community. So um, practical outcomes was actually youth were able to do real-world projects like community gardens and art murals and, um, you know, road art that you can see all across yeah. Monaco and Mangere and Papatoitoi now. Mm. And, um, so that was, just, that was an example of a practical outcome. And, um, and also throughout the program, we're actually inviting families to be part of that process too. So... Uh, from anywhere from fundraising to actually mm-hmm. being part of presentations and at the end of the end of the program family actually really understanding the value that creativity has within their child's life but also from a home home, home perspective, <coughs> perspective. <laughs> <laughs> perspective hey i um. just just like honestly i collaborated with you on part of uh Mal studio as well and like i want to speak to how how well told collaborated with the entire community mm. you know like um you obviously had the kids at de la salle and um by kids we mean maori pacific island between these ages you know and pe- uh, kids who were already interested in this style of work um i'd never seen it before because um, I work with, you know, plants and dirt. Um, <laughs> and, but then he also collaborated with the Kaitiaki Kihumato and then went down to the marae and asked about what the whānau wanted. Uh, not only that, but you held some overnight stays in the marae and, and fed the funds back into local spaces um, and then heard the real-time story of that space so that when the kids got to design um, and paint a thing, 
it was it was fueled with the story that was just told to them. So mm. it's not a. Um, it was a conscious effort to not recolonize the space because the goal was to capture that story and then bring it back to life mm. in nowadays terms, reflecting on the solutions that used to be had and bringing them forward to today. And and when, yeah, when when that collaboration was happening, I yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, we need to do this again. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to make seedling awesome. houses as of next <laughs> Monday. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys are collaborating all the time, eh? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. Well, thanks for that, Kelly. Um, invoice me. <laughs> no, um, oh, he's got two invoices <laughs> so far. <laughs> I believe you owe me hours, <laughs> actually. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think just based on you know on that cordial from Kelly was, I think the main outcome, and I told this, I tell this to everyone, like the biggest outcome from our programs and from any of our work is that the the youth and Rangatahi leave having a greater sense of self. Mm. Mm. And I think that self-sovereignty and mana mutuhake or, uh, or what we call as your actual mau, mm. that's what's being lost or what has been lost over at least the last century and a half. Mm. And so it's how do, we, how do we regenerate some of this thinking into and develop programs and businesses around that so mm. we allow not only our youth and not only our elders but everyone mm. who is engaged through our business to really understand themselves a lot more mm and mutually their communities. So um, those are some practical outcomes and happy to go into into depth in some of them. But Yeah, yeah. I think like one of the, um, like a couple of points that we brought up in our earlier corridor, one was around like knowing that there's a wider living system at play within a community and then also that you're part of an intergenerational story. Mm. Um, I'd be cool to unpack that a little bit more and what that means in the terms of, in the form of relationships and understanding what's going on so that you can play your part mm. um, in connection with everything else. Yeah. Yeah, who wants to start on that one? Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you're a fast thinker, girl. Yeah. Well, actually, in, intergenerational, anything comes quite naturally anyway because mm. um, when I look at my age group or my generation, we should be looking up to receive the knowledge and be looking down to teach the knowledge. Mm. Um, and there's this to a kind of Tainer style, um, I don't know, business model that flows within Fenua Warrior as well, where we reflect on our ancestors, we reflect on our uh, aunties, uncles, corridors, and then we take that information, we shape it into something that can be shared with our babies that they actually care about in 2022, mm. and then we give it to them. You know, um, I feel like. There was a lady that called or said, oh, yeah, this is Kelly Francis and she's a gardener. And I kind of laughed at her because I was like, oh, no, gardeners just garden, <laughs> you know. Um, and then when you think about what an actual funeral warrior is and what we do, we actually create a space for that all to happen. So mm. that, that nanny and that stranger's mokopona are in the same space at the same time and that mokopona can take on the knowledge from that nanny. Mm. And it's pretty much my role just to make sure that that space can keep flowing through and... Um, we have the intergenerational um, uh, flow effect so that, because the kids don't only need to learn, the elders also need to be listened to. Mm. Uh, if we don't have that space, it doesn't happen. Mm. Um, and in the middle here, we are just responsible to make sure that, hey, those kids turn up, that nanny's there, everyone's safe, warm and happy, everyone's got a kai. Mm. Okay, now we can do that garden thing that we've been paid to do. You know, yeah, it, it's yeah. kind of second to how important our people are and 
when I say our people, I mean all of the people of all cultures across South Auckland as mm. well. Um, we're all responsible to be a vessel of knowledge and share it within our different age groups, our different generations, cultures, races, um, and, yeah, just allow it to happen so freely um, in a community space that we can contain, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Your turn, G. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, that was cool, Cal. Yeah. yeah. Um, There's so much info, it's almost like I know. overload. It's a eh? lot Yeah, but it's beautiful. But I think, it, yeah, it's important to unpack in. Uh, you know, I think a, a definitely an, an important part of our work really is, well, if I'm kind of positioning it inside a kind of an, my entrepreneurial journey was, um, you know, starting from a very linear way of, of thinking, mm. you know, like uh, having to start something and then finish it and there's only one way of doing it and um, and if I'm doing I'm going to finish it by myself and we'll, we'll get this thing up and then all of a sudden everything just starts piling on and becomes very complex and difficult and mm. um, but also in reflection and if we're putting it within a, a timeline really that's how we're trained to think mm. this, in this day and age and um, we can get into conversations around industrial revolution and the way that it's influenced mm -hmm. every kind of system that we're thinking about mm. Mm. and that's you know that's a decade or even a century worth of thought processes which we're still somewhat kind of transitioning out of um, but just this whole kind of western versus indigenous way of thinking and um, and really how does our business and how do our services but also kind of intentional community building look like mm. and you know I, I guess a big part of this conversation is around what does the decolonization of these spaces look like mm. and some of the practical ways that people are putting out there is moving from generational thinking uh, or period thinking into more intergenerational thinking. And something that one of my mentors, Peter Sykes, always told me was, if you're not thinking intergenerationally, then you should probably stop my studio right now. Mm. And How did you take that when he first said that? Well, I walked out and probably... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, doesn't uh, no, I'm... Um, uh, you know, I take everything as a as a healthy challenge, and mm. you know, at this at that point in my <coughs> entrepreneurial journey, I didn't know what he was talking about, mm. but mm -hmm. I realized that there was a lot of kind of self development that I was going through, which was craving something like that, and mm. um, so you know, I took education programs that we were developing and starting to look at now what does that look like over the next 50 years mm -hmm. or if I'm just working with high schools then how do I bring different generational ways of thinking into that space mm -hmm. and so yeah through Peter Sykes and me family services based in Mangere East was the, you know, our first contract mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that paid for the first Mao Academy mm -hmm. and the whole challenge that whole year was what does what does the seven generation mode of thinking look like and how does mm -hmm. my academy yeah, yeah. Um, represent that. So based on some of the quoted or Kelly brought up earlier was, you know, that's where I started saying, if we're working with high school students, what are all the support networks that they need in order to understand their potential? Mm. Cool. And so that looked like bringing in a tertiary partner, that looked like bringing in industry partners, that looked like bringing in creative mentors. So a big ups to Amelia Puyo-Taylor mm -hmm. and mm. You know, Daniel Goddard and um, a few of the others who put their hands up to say yes, and they're still part of the program now. And Waikareko Mene, gosh, 
um, you know, a lot of those people are coming in. You're such a name dropper. Yeah. <laughs> and those are all cool people. Yeah. <laughs> Just but, you know, it's it's around, I think, our our role as South Auckland entrepreneurs, you know, particularly understanding the impacts mm-hmm. of the systems that are working against us is if we're not thinking inter- intergenerationally, if we're not thinking systemically, then a lot of the work that we're doing is going to be in, in vain. In vain, mm. that's right, yeah. So, um. So I, I saw that Mao Academy, or at least our education programs, was a way of bringing together different ways of thinking, different generations, mm. different expertise, um, and, and to wrap around um, the rangatahi through their creative journey. So um, it's been four years in the making or five years in the making. And um, you know I think last year, which was the fourth year running the program, was the first time which I actually sat back and said, I think we cracked it, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And um, it's it's taken a lot of risk and a lot of failures to get there, and yeah, um, it hasn't been perfect. Mm-hmm. It's still not perfect, but I think, you know, when you start off creating an enterprise, you do the sketch. Mm. I think for us, it was a sketch in the Philippines on a cardboard on a mm. dodgy ass <laughs> motel, you know. Yeah. I think last year I actually sort of sat back and then reflected on that sketch that we made and was like, mm-hmm. wow, we actually implemented that. That's so cool, way. So That's so cool when you have those moments. Yeah. Oh, there's so many things off that that I wanted to pick, but mm. um, that was a beautiful story. I think while we're at it, like what role do um, like mentors and experts that are around you play um, in your ability to do what you do? Oh, uh, th- when you when you like uh, speaking in funeral warriors history, oh my goodness, there's been so much stuff I don't know. So many waxed, so eh? many, so many waxed like to so make you listen. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so many tears, my goodness. Mm. Um, you know, and like uh, with 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 entrepreneurial um, stance and community in general, I, I like to call it hotututanga. So just doing something mm-hmm. over and over and over and over until you're good at it. And then when you're good at it, you find a way to make money from it or you find a way to make relationships from it or find more people to do it for, uh, depending on what your goal is. And, oh, man, there's so much to learn outside of that. (laughs) Was there a point where you thought you didn't need mentors, that you knew everything? Oh, no, no, no. Well, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Maybe when I first got my fund from Foundation North. Um, but, you know, even even then, you know, once we had our first chunk of money that was able to pay for stuff over over an entire year or over two or three projects, mm. even that's not easy. You yeah. know, like, um, just because you have money now doesn't mean I magically know how to spend it. Oh, you know? totally, <laughs> totally. Um, it's a whole different type of anxiety, eh? Exactly. The anxiety of getting the funding and then the anxiety of delivering on the funding. Yeah. Are we talking about anxiety? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's the disease of this generation, right? <laughs> <laughs> nosebleeds, nosebleeds. Um, so, yeah, um, mentors have been with me from the very beginning, and I, I think that speaks as well to um, their faith in the idea of Whenua Warrior and um, how we purely, for the first three years, built gardens for free mm. um, with nothing. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, Aroha Harris was a... Um, Tawida with me, she was a student in Kaioranga, um, which is where I kind of touched on the first uh, chunk of gardening as an adult and how I can use my modi to be able to better the life of the plant that I'm going to be eating from, which will better my life. And, you know, you go through all this um, 
all these pulls and pushes and stuff. And then Aroha has become um, a po in the Foundation North um, mm. um, Māori advisor area. Um, sorry, Aroha, I don't know your actual role, but I still <laughs> love you. I'm going to drop off some seedlings too soon. Um, but, you know, it, it goes from there. And, and when you work in Te Ao Māori, and I'm sure this is the same with Māori as well, um, you end up just meeting people who are good at different parts of what you need to learn. Mm. Um, when you're halfway through that, that, you then understand that, okay, well, there needs to be some kind of a way to pull that person into the kaupapa. You can't just keep yeah, taking yeah, the yeah. advice because there's the advice and then there's the doing and then there's the following up of the doing and being accountable for things that you yeah. didn't end up doing. Can I ask you a question? Oh, absolutely. You don't have to talk about it if you don't want yeah, to, yeah, but you were talking before, just before about, um, how you were building, doing the mahi with no no putia, mm-hmm. no money, and then you went through this transition, which I I, I saw you go through this transition mm-hmm. to then becoming someone who got money yep. to do what you did, and I know that wasn't easy for you. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mind talking a little yeah. bit about that, and and then also the role that mentors played within yeah. that as well. Um, Mentally, you need to swap over from being the person that gives it for free out of your heart and is happy and okay with receiving reward from the heart Mm. to then creating a space where uh, money is being exchanged. And for me, there wasn't a lot of confidence in that because... Because money was the root of what's wrong with the system, right? all systems, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially the food system. (laughs) Especially the food system. $6.50 for a lettuce at Pack and Save So then you had to sell out and start making money off it. Yeah, I had to. And and the reality is, like, sitting here five years later and having um, two big sponsorships from Foundation North, I now pay nine staff. Mm. So there's, you know, there's the push and pull and you've really got to mentally get over that idea that money's just going to solve all of your issues because mm. it doesn't. Mm. Um, because I still had the same issues just with zeros in my account. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. a couple of numbers in front of those zeros. So <laughs> and a few more issues yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah, and a few more issues because now I have to spend it. And I like, oh my God, how do you do that? Uh, how do you spend that amount of money on anything when mm. you've gone from absolutely nothing to this many zeros? And it, it's not a. It's not necessarily a solution for all people, you know. Um, there weren't. There wasn't an operational process at that point. We had no steady way of performing what we needed to do. There was no um, way of continuously accessing materials, resources, mm. people, time, aroha, because you still need all of that. Mm. Um, and then the difficult part came as well when we transitioned from being. Um, funded by funders, philanthropy or government funded or local board funded, however it comes, to also going into business because now you're selling, which is a third completely Mm. awkward feeling, you know, and and to be able to transition between the three with the focus on the fact that I now have nine staff to pay. Mm. It's a different type of pressure too. I've chewed through a few mentors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a few, not naming Spat too many. Killed a moana, killed a shay. My <laughs> bad. Um, but you know, 
it's because when I first started, I knew I could do this for free. I knew exactly what it took to do this for free by myself out of my crappy van mm. with my crappy spade that always broke and I had to fix the hand, you know? Um, and then to get money and have six spades and six people and... And, and a mean-ass truck. And a mean-ass <laughs> truck, G. Thank you for the Ford Ranger. <coughs> um, it's got a sticker on it now. <laughs> it's looking good. Um but, you know, like transitioning out of those three phases wasn't easy alone. Mm. Um, even even making a decision to get an accountant mm. wasn't easy to make because then there's the whole, what do we start with? Uh, business plans, what do we start with? Strategy plans and forecasted budgets, what do we start with? You know, how do we even um, go from not having those things to having those things? Mm. And um, the way that I had to do it was was figuring out the operational side first and, and working out exactly how much money we needed to run these projects. Um, and then I could fill in the forecasted budget, which obviously took a lot of yeah. a lot of trust from my board. Thank you, Pans, thank you, Tomo, uh, and partners. Um, because without that patience, I would have been tied into a very hard, contracted, obliged set mm. of rules, which I wasn't ready for. Um, but Foundation Health help, helped us to, you know, bring on the right people and, yeah. and have that process be ridden up and and improved. Yeah. And now we're building four gardens a day instead of one a week. Yeah, so amazing. You're yeah. a machine, sis, honestly. Right. How about you, Tao? Mentors? Yeah. Um, Mentors and experts. It's a, a very, very similar, um, you know, learnings or experiences as Kali, if, you know, if it wasn't for some of the mentors that we've had over the last, you know, five years or even longer than that, if I'm looking at my family, for instance, and the support that they've provided in this mm. in this journey of mine, it, it definitely wouldn't have been um, achievable, and at least I wouldn't, you know, be in the position that I'm in now. Um, but from a yeah, from a from a business perspective, as I had alluded to, you know, some of my my coaches or my mentors, you know, like uh, you know Peter Sykes and, and Waikare Komeni. Um, have been very fortunate to, you know, be in a space with them that they're actually willing to share their learnings over the last few years and who are mm. generally looking at actually Mal Studio is also an evolution of some of the work that they've done over a very long time. And um, But getting around the, getting to the comfortability of even approaching someone to be your mentor, I yeah. think that's a different kind of conversation. And um, for a while there, you know, I think everyone... You know, being somewhat of an entrepreneur or just starting your own business can be very, very overwhelming. And mm. <laughs> as Kelly had mentioned, there's mm. so many different things that you have to think about. Um, so but no I, one tells you to think about them. That's yeah, the whole thing, eh? Yeah, like, or, actually, or at very least you're not listening. I don't, <laughs> even, I don't even think you want to listen, no, eh? No, no, I no, think there's yeah, a stubbornness to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I definitely wasn't listening. And then, yeah. you know, someone Entrepreneurs are stubborn. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, we are. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I had a conversation with someone around the significance of uh, having a mentor. And, um, you know, in, in one way how they framed it really was around, and which really humbled me was that, you know, having a mentor actually acknowledges all the hard work mm. and a lot of the challenges and the failures and the successes of people who have come before you. Mm. They've allowed you to think in this way and has opened the space for you to be the way that the way that you are. Mm. Um, so I think that was a, a really important part of my journey was getting to that kind of position of humility mm. and understanding. Actually, I need to 
humble myself and actually realize mm. that I do not know shit yeah, about yeah, anything. Yeah. Mm. And that yeah. was only yesterday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon no. it's true, eh? The more you get into it, the more you realize you just oh, don't know. No, yeah. <laughs> then, uh, yeah, it becomes overwhelming, but the role that a mentor can play is that it makes it less overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. And can really straighten up your, your line of progress. And um, But I think a, a really important learning that I have taken from, you know, this kind of mentorship was that I think mentorship can come in a, ver- a number of different ways. Mm. Mm. So, nice. you know, for example, you can have a, a buddy who is just going to sit there and listen to everything that you talk about and just allows you to vent and, you know, mm. and talk through that stuff. And then you can start moving into an actual mentor who is there to help you through things and get you to look at things with a different perspective mm. and allow you to work things out for yourself. Um, and then you can start getting into coaching and... Mm. I think this would have been, you know, I highly valuable, and I highly, highly recommend looking for a, uh, an executive coach or a leadership coach mm-hmm. or business coach. Yes, absolutely. Because um, I s- find the difference between a coach and a mentor is that a coach really helps you build your capability mm-hmm. around, you know, in one way it's kind of looking at what don't you have right now, which will allow you to be a lot more efficient, mm-hmm. um, and then how do you work the best or how does the business best reflect your values and the value system that you're putting putting in place they're just a lot more constructive and yeah. i think from a, an, an entrepreneur that was you know hugely valuable from from my end um and then you can start looking at coaching and mentoring as your mentor really building up your emotional capacity to mm. to think about things and and to change your perspective on things and then once you get your perspective or direction, then you can get into a coach to really take you through mm. constructively how do you get from A to B mm. and to you know, really learn from your failures and take some learnings along that way. So, you know, on the conversation around mentors, it's really understanding that there could be, you know, there's different spheres. You can have a buddy, you can have a mentor, you can have mm-hmm. a coach, but even with inside that, you, you know, you can really break that up. So, you know, one learning that I took away was actually start breaking up everything that you need. Mm. Like, where's creating the most anxiety? Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, what is overwhelming right now? Yeah. We're not talking or about anxiety today, are we? Yeah, call away hydrogen. And, you know, just really start figuring out what, what don't you have right now? Where can you grow? And I think that's the biggest thing that you can do as, you know, as a business owner or an entrepreneur starting out, or just in everyday life, no matter mm. what kind of position mm. that you're in is, you know, ask yourselves, you know, where can I grow? Mm-hmm. And then that's where the mentor and the coach slots into. They can start talking about and taking you through the how. Yeah. Yeah. So this is how we're going to get from A to B, and this is how we're going to mitigate your anxiety and, you know, these kind of different emotions that are going on as you're b- developing yeah. your business. So um, there's that part. Mm-hmm. And then I also feel like from as a business owner um, is really developing the right team around you because oh, yeah. your yeah, team is yeah your team is freaking equally as important as a um as a mentor you know and if you build the right team around you then everyone is going to be your mentor and you're kind of building an environment for yourself to really challenge yourself and grow and um and not stay comfortable and stay um content with yeah. and complacent i should say yeah so i think yeah those those kind of four different areas and 
um, and a buddy and a mentor and a coach and the right team is, is critical. And I've 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 gone through my you know fair share of uh, mentors <laughs> and coaches and um, and 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 ever evolving team. And I can see the value of, of all of them. In, yeah. In my yeah. Journey. And that's it. I like. I feel the same. Like mentors come and go. Yeah. Um, whether you. <laughs> Chew them up and spit them out, or or you just Again, you I'm grow sorry. you grow th- you grow through seasons and and you go through seasons and you come across different people and yeah. some people are there for a short time some a long time. Um, we yeah, yeah yeah I just brought on a couple of new mentors last year because I was in a phase that I'd never been in before. Mm. I was out of my depth. I was it was overwhelming me, and I needed someone that could help me navigate that yeah. and it wasn't anyone that I had had before yeah. so I had to seek out different different people I had to start yeah. paying for it as well yeah. oh, um, well, but it's worth the investment that's, yeah. that's a really healthy healthy conversation to have around yeah. um, around who is your mentor yeah. who is your coach yeah. Yeah. and it can't be your bloody next door neighbour yeah. <laughs> yeah. it can't be your cousin yeah. you know and well I shouldn't say it can't but you know someone that told me that like a, a mentor or a coach should be you know if you're if you're thinking about your cousin being your mentor, mm. actually get your cousin to refer someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then speak to that person and get that person to refer someone. <laughs> yeah. So you don't know it's this person. Away, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. You know them indirectly. Yeah. And they don't have any kind of emotional connection to your situation. Yeah. Because yeah. whānau and friends play a role, women. right? Whānau and friends are Absolutely. there to support you through the ups and Absolutely. downs of life. Um, and Buddy. to maybe listen mm. to your entrepreneurial stories, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. then you bring the experts in. And yeah. then I guess the only other thing I was thinking of as you guys were chatting was that I always try and make sure that I'm mentoring others as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and get that real balance that it's not just that I guess that there's satisfaction, number mm. one, mm. in investing in other people, I find it, especially in younger people. Um, but it's also good for you, I think, that you you know you get to glean off the people that have gone before you, and yeah. you also get to pass that down, yep. and it should be a part of your practice. Yeah, um, yeah, it keeps you nice and balanced, but it also helps continue that I don't know that intergenerational stuff. Mm, Keep the good the good energy flowing as well. Yeah, that Tuakaratainath model is kind of the same, eh? Totally, yeah, and keep it going both ways. Old, young, but also, like, that person knows a thing, that person needs to know a thing. So if I can be the vessel between the two, you know, it it all just flows better, and it could be to do with anything. And and mentors, really, um, to take the label away, it's someone who knows something you need to know to be able to continue successfully, you know? And surprisingly, those younger ones will teach you a lot too, eh? Oh, yeah. They do really well. Yeah. Like how to do TikTok stuff like that, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I think that's that's totally true. And we get it every you know every year we run another education program. Mm. We're earning equally as amount as much as the students are, and as yeah, I think some students find it challenging when we say when they ask us, "Oh, what are we going to do?" and say, "Well, what do you want to do?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, decide. We're not going to come with a prescribed program. Mm. Let's develop this program together and. Uh, it's it comes with its trials, and you know we've we've been testing it a lot. But the the kind of authority and the sovereignty that they get from actually developing their own program, mm. you know, you you learn a lot from that, and um, and then also you put yourself also in the seat of a learner. Mm. No mm. longer is there a hierarchy between teacher and student. Yeah, you know that tra- traditional hierarchy, but 
it's more in that kind of tour kind of tena, mm. uh, or that everyone is just learners and students in that space. And I feel like that's awesome. Thank you, Tao. Segue into the next point that I wanted to bring up, mm. which was around allowing the community or allowing those people that you serve to take the lead. Mm. And I guess what I thought would be good for us to discuss is the pros and the cons in that. Mm. Oh, nice. And that concept and that idea. Why is it good to do that? But then also, what can be some of the fallouts? Um, I know I'll start, eh? (laughs) I know for, um, in some of my earlier years in, in youth development, um, we, we went really hard on allowing young people to dictate, Mm. or not, not even dictate, but to voice and, and share what it is that they wanted to do. And Mm. it didn't take long to realise that within this community that we were working in, that there was actually quite a limited view that these young people held Mm -hmm. of what was possible and what was, you know, what their potential was. And so when we let them dictate or communicate what they wanted, it was really actually small, Mm -hmm. the things that they thought about and the things that they wanted. Mm -hmm. After a couple of months, honestly, we were like, is that all? (laughs) Is there nothing else that you want? Um, And so that led us to, I guess, respond in a way that meant that we just did things that created more opportunities for them. Mm. Whether they engaged in it or not wasn't wasn't the problem. It was about showing them new things and showing them new ways and new um, new dreams or new ideas or new activities that if they haven't had access to before, how can they even know to ask for it? Mm. Um, so that was, I guess, that's my start. Who wants to keep corduroying? Corduroying. Corduroying. Oh my, she's going to have me for that one. I think actually it. Touches on when it's a community-led co-papa, um, and and we need to receive all of that feedback from all the different communities in the community. Um, it speaks to how difficult funding applications can actually be as well. So mm. I feel I feel like I'm speaking more to a con of community leading, um, mainly because we as community leaders or entrepreneurs or uh, innovators, we know what we're trying to accomplish. And then you have the funding application in front of you and the box says, but what are you going to do? <laughs> and it's like, oh, I don't know, because your funding grant actually closes tomorrow slash tonight at midnight and I've still got to talk to all of the community to yeah. understand clearly what it is that I want to do. So write that in there, what are you going to do? Talk to the community. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, <laughs> oh, are they going to like that? Because I should have done this by now. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and, and the other thing as well, not to make it too political because we all know how I get politically um <laughs> but it's it's quite hard to please all people yeah so when when we're um looking at the people that are in our community that we're feeding as funeral warriors we're going out we're building gardens and things one way to um solve that is to allow them a space to come to us mm. Rather than me going out and pushing a garden on a new business or on a solo mum of 10 or, you know, a nanny that's, that's cool. done her back in, um, we've opened up a space so that it is community-fed and it is community-led and we wanted to build 300 gardens this year. Mm. We wanted to do that with the support of Foundation North. We've been able to uh, not only do that, but we've secured other partnerships, which now means we can do possibly up to 600 gardens. Mm. Um, so, you know... We're using this model to try and show, hey, look, we can do this cool stuff. And realistically, the more money that you give, the more I can keep doing this. Mm. And we'll just turn it from 300 to 600 to 600 plus and just keep going across all regions of Aotearoa. Um, yeah. And yeah, um, and the, the community are 
the community make it easier because they come to me asking for what it is that they want. But yeah. I can see where other models would be very difficult if you're waiting on feedback from marais, churches, uh, schools, primaries, you know, um, different ethnicity backgrounds and, and trying to get everybody's input on something and then make the application date. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It, it can be can be difficult to have a community-led structure um, and I think I'm speaking to the con of that. Yeah. Yeah. If we're trying to serve our community, we need to understand in depth what the need um, and aspirations are. Kia ora, kia ora ana, my name is Terangi Parima. I am 24 years old and I am one of the two co-directors of the Community Builders NZ Trust. The Community Builders NZ Trust is a trust run by myself and Lina Niseni. Um, we pretty much umbrella a lot of projects run in Ōtara. Um, some of those projects including the Ōtara Kai Village, the Ōtara Marakai, the Ōtara Youth Hub, um, the Ōtara Bike Burb, to name a few. Um, we also branch over to the Clover Park Community House, um, of which we, yeah, umbrella as well. Um, as a trust, our our collective goal is to see and inspire um, local procurement so we want to see our community grow with our community um, and we know as a trust and within each of our projects and the different areas that they cover um, that it's really important to be make sure that our community is involved with the changes that happen within our community um, us as a trust we know uh, we've had multiple conversa- conversations of how can we do this for our community I guess needs change um, so yeah I think as a trust we believe that Listening to our community is, our f- is the first step to actually understanding in depth what our community needs are. An example of listening to our community um, in regards to when needs change um, would be back in August when we went into our last lockdown. Um, so from previous lockdowns, we know that you know COVID had a huge impact on our communities. Um, and each lockdown, we actually noticed that the needs change. And yeah, I think it's just really important for us to, if we're going to serve our community, to actually know what the needs are. Um, and that's why it was important for us to ask the question. So if you want to reach out to cu- to your community, the best place to start is with your neighbours. And that's exactly where the Community Builders NZ Trust started. Um, building relationships with your neighbours um, through Pātaka Kai is one of another projects that we run. Um, but the whole our whole trust was actually built on just knowing who your neighbours are um, and I think that's beautiful because if you look at our timeline of where we've come from um, to just knowing your neighbours and then therefore knowing your neighbours across from your neighbours and coming together as neighbours um, it, it really just builds community in itself and then you expand from there um, everyone has ideas and I think it's it's super special when you bring everyone in t- together because you get to understand what their perspective of certain things are um, and how what ideas they might have um, and that's, yeah, and how they want to get involved. And I think our community is not as a whole, um, our community doesn't necessarily need to mean every single person with an otara, but if we start small, you can grow from there. No, it's... Community building or community networking or bringing together community relationships which are already existing is a mammoth of a task. Mm. Mm. It's big. And I guess what, like, some of the challenges that we face in in doing that is that, well, within that process of, you know, bringing the community together is, I think, over the last five decades, you know, community building and 
community is seems well like seems some like seems to be some sort of a umbrella term for people doing meaningful things. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. nicely spotted. It, it just it seems like it's a cliche thing um for funders or organizations to show that they're actually doing something meaningful within the community but yeah, they just go yeah, about yeah, it doing yeah. doing the things that they're gonna do anyway. So yeah. uh, something that we've you know defined going through um you know going through our community design workshops or co-design with a KAU design mm. <laughs> <laughs> as you know short for co-papa and understanding you know what is the essence of what we're trying to do with what you're talking about cows <laughs> 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 no no that's the that's the next podcast um is um is really defining who that community is mm. and that's a process in, in doing that and yeah it's going to take a lot of conversations and it's, gonna, it's not a two-day process. Mm-hmm. It's a very lengthy process. And um, and something that's been lost over the last, you know, however long it's been is trust between people mm-hmm. and Beautiful. the systems that are wanting to do community engagement. Absolutely. Mm. So we find that our, our work really is around building that trust again between people. And, mm. how, you know, what does that look like? And um, so... You know, I th- like really what we're trying to do within Mao Studio and our projects is understanding who are the communities that are marginalised and displaced mm-hmm. in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Why are we here? And what are the conversations that need to take place and between who? Mm-hmm. And then the further and, and the deeper and deeper that you get into defining who the actual community is that needs to benefit from this, that's when you get into the crux of what your business should be doing, what your services should be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lengthy and a you know, in a quite a hard process. Some people have been doing it for 30 years and they still haven't cracked it. Mm. And that's a compliment. Yeah, yeah. And they're still, in, you know, they're still, still nested doing within it, inside eh? the community and doing it. So, um, and another important part of the conversation, so that first part was really around defining your community and then wrapping your support systems around that mm. once you've defined it. So for us was, um, for example, for education programs, our community was, uh, you know, youth from Mangere who want to pursue creative pathways, mm. for example. Or uh, we have a community based in Ihumatao, or is it Makoto Marae, mm. is it, you know, the, the local iwi, or, you know, is it the Manarewa High School? You know, we're starting mm. to get closer and closer as opposed to South Auckland in general, we're starting yeah, to yeah, get really yeah, defined nice. on who that community Absolutely, is. Absolutely, yeah. So that, therefore, once you define that, then your services are naturally place-based. mm, mm. So community initiatives need to be place-based, and that mm. comes from defining who that community is. Absolutely, yeah. And then it comes down to who wants to define who the community is mm. and what who wants to go through the community engagement process. And and who do you exclude? Yeah. It's like, oh, no, and yucky questions. I think that, <laughs> yeah, it's just um, then you start getting, you're know, bumping into timeframes and budgets and yeah. um, people starting to define or dictate how much community engagement time you actually have mm. in order to get the result that they need in order to go with the go forward with the project anyway. So a huge part of our role um, with inside projects is surfacing the value of community engagement and why mm. that is important and why is community important. And so, and if we're going back to some of the conversations that we had earlier around why is this conversation important and yeah. we realised that if we're looking at Auckland 
particularly or Aotearoa is we have Māori and Pacifica communities who have been displaced mm. for many, many generations now. And some people can't empathise with what generations of displacement looks like yeah. and what the systemic trauma that creates. Mm. Mm. And if we're looking at the rangatahi who only had you know one kind of way of thinking, yeah. uh, that's from generations of systemic trauma. Mm. That's a... That's just a kind of generalisation from my end and I don't mean to um, offend anyone by saying that, but, you know, there's a reason why those rangatahi could only think beyond a certain demographic yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. there within their community and that's that's oppression and systemic trauma at its mm. kind of greatest and mm-hmm. in mm. my perspective anyway. And so that's why it's important mm. is because we need to, or there's displaced communities who don't understand their own potential and can't dream or they can't aspire to be anything more than what they know and Mm. they aren't exposed to the pathways and opportunities that many other people have so understanding the kind of benefits of that and the value of that will really start unlocking some of the initiatives that people can create and Mm. the real meaning behind it all if that makes sense yeah so for me, the biggest thing out of it all is why is community engagement is important is because we can create create stronger self-awareness mm. and a stronger sense of self for, for people in, in their community. So Yeah. Um, That's deep, bro. Honestly, I'm just sitting here like, shit. <laughs> that question was so shallow. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know. It's I beautiful, it's, though, yeah. because it is like at a heart, I think, for anyone that finds himself in this type of mahi, mm. Mm. Really, what we're trying to do is allow people to see their potential, right? Absolutely. And, and then afford them the opportunity to fulfil that. Absolutely. Mm. Um, but, yeah, there's so many different things, so many different barriers. And one of them is, like, one of the, I guess, steps in that is getting them to the point where they can self-determine. Mm. Exactly. Which means choosing what they want to do or what they would want to have out of it. And I, I suppose for those of us that are starting out, that is a nice way to start, mm. to be able to say, we've got $1,000 mm. dollars what do you reckon we should do with it? Instead of saying in this really benevolent, white saviour way, I've got $1,000 and I will do this for you. Mm. And you will take yeah. it and you will love it. And say thank and you. And say thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's changing that, I pay, mm-hmm. which I think. And I do think, yeah, for those that are especially starting out in the game, just start like that, like ask mm. and listen mm. and see what people come up with. And mm. as you as you grow in your, I guess, place within that network and mm-hmm. within that community and your knowledge and your mana and your reputation then you can start to open up different pathways and mm. and facilitate new ways for people to self-determine and, and come where they want to eh? mm. but it does have to start somewhere yeah it does have to start somewhere i've got kind of one more thing i reckon we should chat on before we um wrap up mm. and that is um i guess my question to you is um you have a burning passion to make a difference mm. in our communities, have you ever thought that you would be able to achieve that on your own? Oh. Honestly? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. And then what do you what, think in now? The first year? Yeah. <laughs> in the first year? Oh, bro, I had a cape, I had a S, I had everything. Oh. I knew it all. 
Why'd you have to ask this question? Because um, it's the truth. We all think we're the bomb. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm sure we all, savior, started, we all started saying, complex. I want to change the world. Like, I'm sure, you know, we've, we've yeah. all said that 50, 60 you get times. Hard, you get fed up with the, with the crap, right? And oh, you want to yeah. do something about it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you think you're the only one in the world that, yeah, <laughs> that, that does and that can. what the hell's going on, yeah. <laughs> And but once once you get over that hump though, eh? Once you like really, really, really burn yourself to the ground mm-hmm. and go, oh my god, I can't do it by myself. Th- there's this massive change, eh? Like and just everything goes right. We got to delegate this. We got to get this. We need more money for that. We need more resources. We need more time. We need more aroha. Okay, go. And then you <laughs> see the ne- <laughs> you see the next set of problems, and you go, okay, right now this set of problems we're going to do this for, and then we're going to make these, and we need you, we need more rich friends. Um, <laughs> we actually need a couple more trucks. We need a couple more trailers. We need a couple, more, you know, and and then it's just <laughs> the wave of fear. <laughs> you fear. are not the only uh, one. You will not fear. be able to do this by yourself. It is literally impossible because when you even look at yourself doing it, even even who, whoever you think you are, w- when you look at yourself doing it, there is still limitations on that mm. because when it's one person, you're still only talking about one person's set of twenty four hours, one person's set of energy, one person's set of ideas, one person's reflection on the experiences that that one person has had. So it'll never be enough, mm. you know, and. My advice to that person out there in the community going, you gee, I got this, I got that. I know, I know all the answers. <laughs> you don't. Nobody, no one person knows the answers to anything in our community because you just meet another person and that person has a whole other problem. Mm. <laughs> like, and, and, and another thing I want to say as well, with the community leading things, there's a lot we can't report on. You know, there's a lot that um, as community leaders and as people of the community, we see everything. Mm. So, you know, um, there's just going to be a whole chunk of that story that will never, ever be told anyway. Yeah. So, so, so bring people in so that their eyes can see it and then empower them to teach the next person and then that person will have a chance to see it. And then everything just goes way smoother when it's not just yeah. you. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. It really, guys. really does. <laughs> it took me five years. Your turn. These are your confessions. I think this. So, answer your question. Yes, I think there was a point there where I, I just, <laughs> I genuinely thought, gosh. What we've come up with, amazing. <laughs> you know, you get that, you get that thought. I think this was in 2017. We started Maui, and I, I came back from overseas, and then on my trip back, I stopped by Samoa. And what a great way to bring you back down to earth. <laughs> How many of your socks, Where's so that channel? That's so true, man. That is know, so true. Me and my me and my cousin, you know. Um, and who has you know now just recently joined Mouse Studio this year? Congratulations! Um, but yeah, back then, um, you know, we we're kind of conceptualizing what Mouse Studio is going to look like and what are some of the things that we can do, and having this kind of Pan Pacific model, and it was like, you know, man, no one's done this, and so we 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 came up with another great sketch of ours. <laughs> came up with another great sketch, and then um, you know, one of our other mentors who was a you know a relative of mine is um, Tuatanga Lord Joanna Dale. Uh, who has, you know, just over the last 13 years post um, the tsunami back in Samoa, 
developed a development trust called Bautasi Development Trust. Trust, but I didn't know this back then. So anyway, we said, okay, we need to go sit down with with Joe um, and pitch him this idea and see if we can do it here in Samoa. And so we're talking about this holistic model and you know architecture project uh, projects or community projects, and you have all these different things which are positioned around it, like development and woman equality and you know all these different things agriculture <laughs> so go sit down with them and then you know we're taking him through the sketch you know, one by one different things that we can do and then i could just see him looking at me he'd never looked once at his sketch pad and just <laughs> look at me and i stopped and both of us looked at him and he looked up at him and he said oh we're already doing that <laughs> you know he's like we've been doing that for the last 10 years how is this new <laughs> and i went Oh my gosh, uh, I did so yeah. Pop, pop that light bulb, yeah. that balloon just went <laughs> right out there. I, you know, jumped on that plane with my head down. But um, you know, interestingly enough, we've been working with Boltasi Development Trust ever since then and really um has helped shape our our way of thinking. And anyway, I think that the learning that came from that was around um, you know, before you start thinking you have the best idea in the world, there's actually centuries or you know thousands of years mm. of models mm. of what you think you're doing that has yeah. already been tested, evolved, yep. and you just play one part in that evolution. That's yep. right. And maybe you're doing something unique. Of course, everyone has their own unique value proposition. But um, what it really forced us to do was, you know, he was talking about place-based back then, or mm. what is the systems approach and mm what does that look like in South Auckland or what does that look like anywhere that you go in? So what I what I do now and some of the methodologies or methods that we put in place is one of the first things is m- mapping out who already exists inside that community and mm. what are the work that they're already doing there. Um, and then basically our role is that, one, is to facilitate them coming together, you know, of, you know based on the coordinator of defining the community. Once we define the community and bringing the right people in, mm. And then really our services around now how do we fill the gaps? Yeah. You know, so it's mm. a it's a total attitudinal shift from yeah, yeah. we gonna do it all, I know everything <laughs> to, you know, humbling ourselves to actually saying, you know, there's already a living system wherever we go. And when I say living system, I mean, you know, there's the Monga, there's the Awa, there's, mm. you know, people, but also there are different organizations and there are different institutions who are doing incredible things. Yeah. Mm. And one of the things that we just need to do is either either catalyze them coming together or, you know, just complementing what they're doing, mm. not doing anything new because that's not going to do any justice to, to anyone, um, particularly the people that we're wanting to do this work for. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's really changed our, our shift in, in, in Mal Studio uh, and a lot of the different programs and initiatives that we're running now. Mm. And it's just it's become a fundamental of ours is you know, seeing the community with new eyes, and that's from our perspective, not anyone yeah, else's yeah. perspective. Mm. So, um, yeah, there was one point where I thought I knew it all, uh, but it takes mentors, it takes coaches, yeah. it yeah. takes buddies, it takes and whanau. Heaps of mistakes. Heaps of mistakes. Because once you make the mistake, you realise you don't know the answer to that question, and then you go, bloop. Blip blip blip. By the end of the day, you know, and and back down to reality. Oh eh? yeah, and um, you can live up in the clouds for for a few days here and there, but the 
we're helping at community level. We can't afford to be in the clouds. Yeah. That's time wasted. That's energy wasted. That's, you know, building up this whole dream and stuff that was never achievable in the first place. Mm. Don't get me wrong. Building dreams is great. But build them relative to what you actually can do. Mm. You know, I want to change the world. Yeah, cool. But Kelly, how about you change your whānau first? <laughs> you know, start with this one house first. Uh, yeah. Then move to 127 houses in a in a weekend with no money. Then, with the support of Foundation North, move to 300 houses over a year. Mm. Then, with the sponsorships and friendships that you're creating, move to 600. Move to 1,000. Yeah, you know, awesome. like, you can't just... Like, if I was face-to-face with that Kelly... I'd be like, bro, you got to start <laughs> from the beginning. Don't try and skip steps, you know. Yeah. Don't try and just jump to the millions because you don't know how to spend the thousands yet. Don't try and jump to the 500 volunteers because you can't run five yet. Yeah, you That's know. And yeah, and, yeah, and take things a little bite at a time, but never stop taking those bites, eh? Yeah. Because every bite, whether you succeed with it or whether you fail forward with it, Either way, you've got to understand what it is that your skill set can allow you to do and bring on the other person Beautiful. that can do the other thing. Yeah. Mm. That's it. That was the only thing I was going to say is like, don't. I mean, if you think that you're going to be the expert at everything, <laughs> then you're already stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, you're just silly. not. Yeah, you're just not. <laughs> you're not going to be the be all and end all. You're going to need other people, other perspectives, other yeah. levels of experience and expertise. Yes. Um, mm. For me, Early on, my biggest intimidation was um, finances and spreadsheets yeah, yeah. And, and legal stuff and tax and all of that. Yeah. And so then obviously the first person that I was keen to get into our business partnership was someone that was super confident yeah. in that space and as well had similar values, value alignment and, and could see the value in what we were doing. Mm. Um and that person still today is a really important part of, of what that? we do and a really good... Have you met our um, <laughs> business partner, Barry? Barry. Yeah, oh, from yeah. Pledge Me. Yeah, from yeah, Pledge yeah, Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know Barry. Barry, so he sits on our d- as a director of, oh, of Ngahiri choice. Communities and is still really cool. As we're looking through now, at, we're at the point of looking at actually taking on a pretty cool investor. Yeah. Um, who you guys might know, so I won't say anything yet. Ooh. Um, and good luck. And also just... The different stuff in the back end of the business. Like when we started this, you'll remember us in the early days um, and we were coming into this agreement of property management that we hadn't done before, yeah. not at this degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was all these bloody spreadsheets and stuff that um, big property crazy. management companies had come up with. Um, and I just looked at them <laughs> and it was just so, made me cross-eyed. Um, and then to seven pages. Enter into these conversations with these 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 high-level property managers to convince them that we couldn't handle it. Yeah. I could not have those conversations. I, no. I didn't have yeah. the vocabulary even to enter. And so having then Bodhi walk into the room with me and and convince these people that we were sweet mm. was one of the reasons that we got mm. the contract that got us to the next stage mm. and what we are trying to build. So, And I just yeah, want to say as well, we I was so proud of you when I found out you had a building, not only a building but two storeys and staff in it and in the middle of Monaco like because we met at Takoha yeah, where you yeah, were thinking yeah. oh I might do a crowdfunding thing I might try and <laughs> do this thing and I was like nah but can't do it like, and then by then the contract was signed I didn't have a choice yeah. had to come through somehow <laughs> <laughs> to put my money where my mouth was um, 
but oh, yes, it's, it's hindsight's beautiful. Way you can yeah. look back at all those painful things and yeah. <laughs> just remember the good parts. <laughs> anyway, thank you both so oh, much. That you. was yeah, that was a beautiful corridor, an awesome way to kick off the series. Um, you can check out what um, both Tao and Cows do online, social media, wherever you are, you'll, you'll be able to find them. So mm-hmm. thank you both so much um, and big shout out to Foundation for making this happen and for yes. investing in our communities. Really All right, nice. Much love. We'll see you on episode two. Kakite. Kakite. Namahinui, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Katu Maya was proudly brought to you by Foundation North. To enhance lives, Foundation North provides funding and support to initiatives large and small to respond to their communities now and for generations to come. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram or www.foundationnorth.org.nz.